a free download from Delancey Elam Church. Meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at the Banks St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey. To contact us, find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Read two scriptures, Isaiah 44, firstly, and verse verse 3. Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty, and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants, and my blessing on your offspring. Okay, Acts chapter 2. And verse 17, Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. I'm going for the visions, is that right? (laughs) Uh, And on your main servants and my maid servants... I will pour out my spirit on those days and they shall prophesy. I will show you wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapour and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the sun into blood, before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass over calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Oh. She couldn't cope. You couldn't cope with it, could you? She just, just was like, just could not cope. Just could not cope. <laughs> I just think these are kind of these are days, really, of the of the outpouring of the spirit. If you had to say to me what's the greatest need of the church today, I think we need an outpouring. We need a fresh outpouring of the spirit. I want to read a quote from. Uh, it's called "In the Day of the Power" from a, a man called Arthur Wallace gone to be with the Lord now. I think it's one of the best books ever written on revival, my personal view. Uh, and he says this, uh, these are sort of, he says, it says, true revivals have ever been marked by a powerful and often widespread outpouring of the Spirit. Many, many times the preaching had to cease because the hearers were prostrate or because the voice of the preacher was drowned by the cries of mercy. Who will deny that these were outpourings of the Spirit? Who could find a more appropriate description of such scenes than the words of Luke? The Holy Spirit fell on them, and those that which heard the word. It goes on to talk about a guy called David Brainerd. Now, David Brainerd actually was a, was a missionary in the 17th century who actually had an incredible outpouring of the Spirit among the Red Indians, and incredible stories, that, and, and he's... He's known for his prayer life, really, the incredible prayers that he prayed. And he talks about what happened when God's power fell. He says, The power of God seemed to descend upon the assembly like a rushing mighty wind, and with astonished energy bore down on all before it. I stood amazed and influenced that seized the audience almost universally and could compare it to nothing more aptly than the irresistible force of a mighty torrent. Almost all persons of all ages were bowed down with concern together, and scarce one was able to withstand the shock of this surprising operation. I love that. 
And I guess, really, if we're honest, I think we all know, don't we, that if we were to have the Holy Spirit to the level that we were supposed to have, it wouldn't just be something that we read about, it would be something we experience, don't we see? Is that true? And here in Isaiah tells us that on the dry ground, the Bible says he will pour out his Spirit on what the, the dry ground i you'd agree with me that we see around us dry ground. Is that true? People who are resistant, people who are, if you like, uninterested in the things of God. We don't really see the manifestations of the Spirit to the same level that we know we should see it. And this, uh, this promise in Isaiah is this, upon the dry ground. So here's a, a really hard, barren condition. So no matter how hard or how barren we see the condition or even see the condition of our own lives and our own hearts, we're told here there's a promise. On the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit. Isn't that awesome? Now, the only condition for that spirit to be poured out, do you notice what the condition is there? He says to all who are thirsty. So wherever there's a dry, dead condition, if God can find thirsty people, he will pour out his spirit. That's a promise from the word, isn't it? That's what he says. To anyone who is thirsty. And he's talking about having an intense desire for God. Not so much for what God does, but an intense desire for God himself. And we're not talking about a kind of casual desire, something that we can take or what we can leave, but I'm talking about an intense desire, I'm talking about a desperation. There's the point. To anybody who's desperate for God... Anybody who's not willing to be content with what they have and they're intensely thirsty for God's spirit to be poured out is going to do it. And it's not based on the condition that we see around us. It's based on the thirst of our hearts. So if we have an intense desire for God to move, we have an intense desire for God to pour out his spirit, God says, I will pour out my Spirits. I think it's that desire that says, God, we're desperate. We are no, we know we're not living to the fullness that you've called us to live. Is that right? There's more, so much more. And we know there's more out there. And we're hungry and we're thirsty for the more. Look at Psalm 63, verse 1. I kind of think it kind of sums really this verse up. Psalm 63, verse 1. This is really the, the cry of the heart. Psalm 63, verse 1. Oh God, you are my God. Early I will seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. Where is that condition? In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. 
And I think what that verse is really saying, it's saying, God, you know what? I'm longing for you. Nothing else will satisfy. Finance, success, relationship, acceptance, nothing is going to satisfy me but you. I'm in a dry, I'm in a weary land, and nothing's going to satisfy the cravings of my heart but you. Ultimately speaking, the truth is this. Really deep down, the reality is this. We have as much of God as we want. That's the truth. We have as much as we got of God as, as we want of God. And I think that one of the great spiritual attributes is being thirsty. It really is. That's one of the real major important attributes. That's the major attribute for an outpouring of the Spirit is being thirsty. That's the, the major thing. I think actually, I actually believe with all my heart, the one thing, I mean, you know, we talk about, people talk about various ways to make themselves attractive. How many want to be attractive to God? Do you want to draw God's presence? How many want to draw God's presence? I think the one attribute that draws God's presence more than anything else I know is thirst. Thirst and out of thirst worship is what really draws God's presence. I think God's drawn. He almost can't resist a heart that is thirsty. He can't resist it. He has to come. He has to be drawn. He has to release himself to hearts that are thirsty. Let me think about it. If you're not thirsty, you know what's going to happen? You're not going to drink. Is that true? You don't drink if you're not thirsty. If you are thirsty, you drink. You know, and I didn't realise this. I only discovered it myself. I didn't realise I was doing it. But, you know, one of the conditions that people can have without even knowing they've got it, people can get dehydrated. Do you know that? I realised about myself. I was dehydrated without knowing I was. In other words, I wasn't drinking enough liquids. And it kind of showed up in various parts of my body. And actually, they, they, I don't know what the statistics are, but they realise actually there's quite a lot of people who actually are living their life dehydrated without even knowing they're dehydrated. They just don't drink enough liquids. Or they drink the, drink the wrong liquids. And they're dehydrated without knowing they are. I think we can have spiritual dehydration. We are spiritually dehydrated. And I think, if you look at it, the certain results of spiritual dehydration. There is, and I looked at these, what these things were. You lose salt. You lose salt in your body. You know what Jesus says? He says that when you lose your salt, you lose your flavour. You lose your ability to influence. So I think this, unless there is a major outpouring of the Spirit, then we cease to influence. We can do all the right things, but without an outpouring of the Spirit, there's no influence. Because the result of influence is an outpouring of the Spirit. As we go on, I'm going to show you later on that actually, that when God poured out his spirits, incredible influence happened. Nations were changed. Wales had an outpouring of the spirit and the whole nation was changed. They say the jails were, were empty. That's a good story. You've probably heard about this, that, that, that the horses didn't respond to the miners. 
because they were so used to minors swearing at them that when they did swear at them, they didn't get the commands. In other words, the whole of the nation was influenced by an outpouring of the Spirit. And as God pours his Spirit out, the result is influence. You know, when you don't actually, when you dehydrate, another extreme condition really, is fever. You know what a fever is? It's burning with the wrong thing. You're hot for the wrong thing. And I think that we do, when we don't have an outpouring of the Spirit, we get more excited about other things. We get more excited about sports, more excited about hobbies, pleasures. We give more of our time and resources to those things because we are dehydrating and we have a wrong passion, not particularly for wrong things, but those things become more of a passion than God. When you dehydrate, you become dizzy. That's the thing I, I just I just felt really kind of like headed, and you feel dizzy. When you when we don't have an outpouring, we lose spiritual judgment. We get confused. When you dehydrate, you have no more tears. You go, and there's just no tears coming out. Yeah, you have no more tears. And I think actually, when we lose the the, the pouring out of the spirits. The point is we become insensitive. Nothing really seems to move us. Nothing really seems to touch us anymore. The outpouring of the Spirit always creates an incredible sensitivity. The other thing about dehydration affects your kidneys. You can't cleanse out your system. Through an outpouring of the Spirit, you know what the thing happens? Suddenly people have an incredible yearning to be holy. You know what I mean? It's not some legalistic things we put on people, but there's something people pursue it. They want, they want to get close to God. They, they want to get rid of things that are hindering their lives. There becomes an intense, intense desire for holiness of life. What is an outpouring? So what's an outpouring? If you go back to Acts chapter 2, I define an outpouring as super natural activity of the Holy Spirit. Whenever you see a, an outpouring, it's supernatural activity. How many know in that verse? It didn't say, I'll pour out my spirit on all buildings. Let me notice that. So, it said, so I'll pour out my spirit on what? On all what? Flesh. In other words, there'll be supernatural activity. There'll be dreams there be visions, there be healings, there be miracles, there be many salvations. Isn't that awesome? I remember years, many years ago when we were in a church, one church, we had an incredible outpouring of the Spirit. And I remember people that we'd, I think we'd pray for for a long time. I, want, I remember one particular guy, actually, we know, a good friend of ours now, who, who actually has, has uh, it, no, let's see, let's, let's see, I can't remember, let's see. Well, one of those, you know, intestine conditions was healed in a moment. I remember a lady had breast cancer, healed in a moment. As the Spirit of God was poured out, there became incredible manifestations. People laughed, people cried, 
People were knocked to the floor without anyone even praying for them. And incredible things took place. All because of an outpouring of the Spirit. Can you say amen? I think an outpouring of the Spirit is, is something that gushes. It's a, it's a gush. And we're told here in Acts 2, when it, verse, verse 2, it says, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. It became as, as, uh, as it came, notice this, it came as suddenly, an outpouring that suddenly manifests itself. I think that's why often people who are religious hate outpouring of the Spirit. They want tradition, they want formulas, they want to be entertained. But when the outpouring of the Spirit comes, all those things are kind of blown apart. You say, Amen. And notice this, it came suddenly. I found that when the God pours out his spirit, things that maybe seem to go on, and not, you never seen any breakthrough, things that you'd prayed for, things that you, you'd battled for, never saw any change whatsoever, when the spirit is poured out, there becomes a suddenly. Relationships that, that seem such a battle suddenly get healed, amen? Family members that seem so far away from God suddenly Get saved. Things that, you, that, that where you've wanted to see breakthrough in your own personal life, suddenly there's a breakthrough. In other words, everything changes and it often happens suddenly when God pours out his spirits. And he says it comes as a mighty rushing wind. The spirit is the wind, but it comes as the wind. And we know the wind has movement. He flows. And the Holy Spirit creates movement in us. I think one of my heroes, really, of, of revival is a guy called Jonathan Edwards. And he says this, It's the job of any, every generation to know how God is moving and move with it. Isn't that powerful? To know where God is moving and to move with what God is doing. He initiates it, we just move with him. Amen? Yeah, powerful. I actually think that, and all we're called to do really, if I can put it this way, we just position ourselves. When I was a young boy a few years ago, you know what I used to love to do? I used to love, we, used to, I lived, we, we lived in flats and I used to love to run between, there's two flats, two big flats. And between those two flats, there's always the wind used to kind of blow in the mist. And I just used to love to, to run in the wind and let the wind carry me. I was small enough to let that happen in those days, amen? And there's the point that all we do really is position ourselves for the wind to carry us. That's all we've got to do. We just position ourselves. We just position ourselves for God to pour out his Spirit. You see, in Acts 2.1, Although God initiated, they had to position themselves for that. It says they were, they were, they were with one accord in one place. What does it mean in one place? The fact is they obeyed the place where God told them to go. They were in unity of heart together. We know before that they'd been praying. They'd been seeking God. In other words, they were positioning themselves so when God came, the wind carried them. Amen. And most of the time, it's not 
God holding out on us, it's us holding on to God. We're not, we don't position ourselves for God to move. This picture of a gush. John chapter 7, verse 37. This is again a, a well-known verse where Jesus talks about outpouring. John 7, verse 37. On the last day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and cried and saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, or out of his innermost being, is a true, I suppose, translation of that, will flow rivers of living water. Isn't that awesome? Let me see where that begins again. Where does the river begin? Ever seen that? The river begins with a thirst. It doesn't just happen. If anyone is what? Thirsty. It doesn't just kind of come down from heaven. It says, if anyone is thirsty, then I will cause the rivers. Where do the rivers gush out? Do they gush out from heaven? The Bible says the rivers gush out of what? You. Out of your innermost being. Rivers will come. Here's a great truth. God doesn't mix drinks. He really doesn't. In other words, we can't drink from a past hurt stream. We can't drink from a self-pity stream. In other words, you can't try to quench your thirst with wrong rivers. The only river that's going to truly quench your thirst is the rivers of God. And if we are drinking from the wrong well, you know what's going to happen? We're going to block an outpouring of the Spirit. And here's the problem. People are drinking from the wrong things. I think an outpouring is this. It says, Jesus, just you and you alone. It's only you, I just want you, Jesus. Jesus, I just want you. And I often think that Outpouring begins when we just want Jesus. We say, Jesus, I yearn, I long for just you. And out of that comes this incredible outpouring. Now, some of you dear ones who have AVs, how many have got AVs? Okay. If you did have an AV, you get this word, which is actually a more adequate translation, actually. It says, out of your belly. You know what your belly is? I mean... For me, it's a place that sometimes prevents me from seeing my feet. But anyway, <laughs> you know what the, the truth is? Out of your belly, the word belly actually refers to the centre of your emotions. In other words, the, the river comes, that when the river comes and it pours out of you, it affects your emotions. I think when God's river's flown out of you, you feel the love of God. You feel the compassion of God. You feel unspeakable joy. You feel this overwhelming peace. Ever felt a prophecy that you want to give? Where does that begin? Ever had that, felt that rising up in you? How many felt that? And then you kind of push it down maybe sometimes. How many, that's when you begin, you feel something bubbling up inside you. Is that true? You feel something rising up. That's the river of God rising up inside you. Now if you say to me, I'm not sure if I've ever had this river burst out of me. Let me just say, if you're not sure you have, 
but I don't think you have. But I tell you what, if the rivers of God were to burst out of you, you'd know it. That's true. Can you imagine the whole rivers of God bursting out of you? I wonder if that's really happened to me. No. If it's really happened, you know it. Because it's so awesome and so powerful. So when he comes, when it really works and flows out of you, it changes the very core of your being. The very core of your heart. I actually think this. You'll never really change unless it changes your heart. It really won't. I found people often, they can change from the moment because it doesn't really happen in their heart. It doesn't really last. You'll never really change until it happens inside your heart. Until something happens in the core of your being. Can I quote again my, my hero, Jonathan Edwards? He says this, the spirit, any new revival, he says this, the spirit of, the spirit of God creates powerful, holy affections. The spirit of God excites such powerful and fervent hearts that people say, did that, did not our hearts burn within us? The spirit, he says, create powerful spirit, spiritual affections. The affections of your heart are impacted. There's a joy, unspeakable joy that you had that you didn't have before. There's an incredible release of compassion that did not come from you, but the spirit of God flowing out of your innermost being. There's a new power that rises out from you that you never had before. A new passion for God suddenly begins to stir and rise up in your heart. Because God is pouring his spirit out and it begins to impact the very core of your being. Let me put it this way. Why do you think, in reality, that people turn to addictive things? Why do people turn to alcohol? Why do people turn to drugs? Why do people turn to other habitual things? Do you know why there is? Because inside they feel dead. They feel dead inside. They want to feel something. Something has numbed them inside and they feel dead inside. They want, they want to feel. And, that's, and so they have to take some outside substance to make them feel alive again. But Jesus says, out of your innermost being, you're going to feel again. All the numbness, the deadness, goes. Suddenly new affections begin to burst in your heart. I believe with all my heart, God wants you to feel the affections of his heart. Is that true? Bible tells me that God is a God of what? Joy. In his presence is Fullness of joy, that's true. There's incredible love in the presence of God. And all the affections of the heart of God, he wants to pour into you. So out of your innermost being, you flow, love flows out of you, joy flows out of you, power flows out of you, compassion flows out of you. Because the Spirit of God is flooding your heart, flooding your innermost being. He say amen? He says, those that come to me, this is something, isn't just something that happened, it's continuous. Those who continually come to me, those who continue thirsty for me, will continually, out of their innermost being, will flow rivers of living God. It's not some past experience, it's something that we do continually, day by day. And the moment we lose it, 
is the moment it becomes just something of the past rather than something of a present day reality. You can see him there. Now, notice this. Another definition of, of an outpouring is revival. And revival means to be brought back to its original state. In other words, we are restored back to the book of Acts and beyond, if I can use that term. That's what it means. And here's the point. If we are not living and demonstrating and revealing everything we see in the book of Acts, we need restoring. Is that true? We need revival. And so when I read that book, when I read some of the things that happened in the book of Acts, then that you, but I cry, God, send revival. Amen? And revival comes when God pours out his spirit, he takes us back, he brings us into our original standard and condition. He brings us back to the original state of power, of effectiveness, of faith and love. And outpouring also can mean awakening. Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52, verse 4. Sorry, verse 1. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. Awake, awake, awake. I love that phrase. You know what? When you're asleep, you're unaware of things happening around you. Wives, you're unaware of your husband snoring. <laughs> you know, you're just unaware of what's going on around you. you. You know, all kinds of things are happening, you're just not aware of it. It's, I mean, realize it's happening, but you're not aware it's happening. And that's what it means to be kind of, if I can use this term, spiritually asleep. When you're spiritually asleep, we're not aware of the de- demonic forces that are operating to shut us down. We lose our awareness of God. Jacob said, this place is awesome, and God's in this place. But I was not aware of it. I wasn't aware of it. We lose our awareness of the promises of God. We lose our awareness of the condition of a broken world, of broken lives, of broken things around us. In the 17th century, the great move of God, you know what it's called? It was called the Great Awakening. Under John Wesley, George Whitfield, they shook this, they shook nations. And they called it the Great Awakening. And the reason why they called it the Great Awakening was suddenly people spiritually woke up. They kind of realized, look how far we've wandered away from God. Look what's happened to our nation. Look what's happened to the condition around us. And suddenly they woke up to what was truly happening around them. And they became awakened. A wake-up call came and they awakened to what God was really up to. Can you say amen? How many realize, how many say we need a wake-up call? Here's the next thing. It means, it means a visitation. Luke 19. Verse 4, verse 44. Sometimes this is a kind of tragic verse, really. Here is the words of Jesus to the children, to the people of Israel. He goes on to say, says, We'll lever you and your children within you to the ground. They will not leave you one stone upon another. Why? 
because you did not know the time of your visitation. See, if anybody should have known who Jesus was, the Jewish people really, in essence, should have. And he says, I'm sad, my heart's breaking, because you missed the day of your visitation. And I believe with all my heart, these are the days where God is wanting to visit again. Amen. Days where he's wanting to restore his power back to his church. And I think the cry of the heart needs to be, God, we don't want to miss a move of your spirit. We're willing to obey. We're willing to yield. We don't want to pull back. We don't want to, we don't want to allow you to pass us by. We need a fresh visitation of the Holy Spirit. And a fresh visitation will always result in a habitation. You can't have a habitation to have a visitation. But when you're visitation, the goal is to create a habitation. So God moves. And we don't want to miss. So a, a outpouring of the Spirit is a visitation. But people refuse to miss. Amen. Okay, let me close with this. What are the conditions that we need for an outpouring? And I've just got two things, really. A lot more I could say, but two things are the conditions that we need. Here's the first thing. We'll begin with H, just to help you understand. First thing is host. We need to host the presence. We need to host the Holy Spirit. We need to appreciate the presence of the Holy Spirit. We need to host the Holy Spirit. Ever been to a house and you haven't been welcomed? Ever been there? I mean, Andrew was talking, I think it was a few years ago. It wasn't here, you'd be glad to know. But one place that will remain unmentionable in the UK. I remember we went to see this, went to, we were invited to go to see some people that we didn't really know, actually, but we were invited to go there. And the wife didn't speak to us. We just stood there. She ignored us. Didn't ask us, didn't invite anywhere for us to sit. Didn't give us a, didn't give us a cup of tea. That's awesome. I mean, what's, what's going on here? And she just ignored us the whole Evening. Emily felt, Emily feel that, you feel, Emily being there, you felt really awkward. <laughs> and you just can't wait to get out. Why is that? Because somebody didn't really host us very well. That's why we have great people on the doors who host people, who welcome people. And that's amazing. They do a great job. But we need to host the Holy Spirit. We need to welcome the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the ways we do that, sometimes it means that we welcome Him by allowing him to bring to the surface things he wants to deal with. And he doesn't come to condemn us. He doesn't come to to pull us down. I think it's all about old-fashioned conviction that exposes the things in our lives that, 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 that don't welcome the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter you, but I say constantly, Holy Spirit, convict me. Holy Spirit, stir me up. Holy Spirit, reveal anything in me that is a hindrance to you. When was the last time you really felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit? You know what? That's not a, that's, that's a, I think it's a sign of health. It's a sign of being healthy. When the Spirit is working on your life and bringing that, bringing that conviction. Let me just bring this. Genesis 8, verse 9. Because there's a great picture of how we welcome. 
the Holy Spirit. Think of Noah and the ark. There's a phrase I want you to sort of see. Genesis chapter 8, verse 9. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot and returned to the ark to him, for the waters were on the face of the whole earth. Here's the phrase we went to see. So he put out his hand. He took her and drew her into the ark to himself. Wow. See, one of the great symbols of the Holy Spirit is the dove. I only know that. The Bible says about Jesus, the Spirit came on him as a dove. Not the Spirit was a dove, but it came on him as a dove. And the Bible says it remained on him. In other words, Jesus lived his life welcoming the Holy Spirit. He did nothing to hinder or disturb the Spirit. And the Spirit rested on him and remained on him. I don't know a great deal about doves, but I'll tell you one thing I discovered. They are very easily disturbed. I used to love seeing a dove. It used to be on, used to be on a house or anything. He used to always sit on there. I just used to look, I like to look at it. But the moment someone slammed the door, you know what happened? That dove just flew away. And so we need to be sensitive. Holy Spirit, what grieves you? What pleases you? What makes you happy? What do, what do you delight in? And I'm going to adjust my life to what pleases you. And I'm going to remove from my life anything that grieves you. Here's the amazing thing. The Bible says that Noah just reached out and drew the dove. I think this, that when we are thirsty for him, when we're in that attitude of worship, when we begin to declare his word, you know what we're doing? We're reaching out and we're drawing him. You know what we're doing? We're almost painting a target and saying, Holy Spirit, would you please land here? That's what praise does. Praise actually puts us a surface. A Holy Spirit, would you come into my circumstance and would you change it? And the Bible says that when the dove came out of olive branch in its mouth, beautiful picture of Jesus. Because when we welcome the Holy Spirit, we welcome Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit has come to reveal Jesus to us. And the more we welcome the Holy Spirit, the more real Jesus will come to our lives and to our experience. And I believe with all my heart that he touches you, touches me, touches you, so that we are able to touch others. That's what he touches us for. So we become irresistible. And we touch people. People are impacted because we have been touched. So let's just cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And let's be great hosts in our lives of the Holy Spirit. So the dove of the Spirit of God will rest upon us and move upon us, move through us as we welcome him. And God will pour out his Spirit as we, make, as we become good hosts of the Spirit. Can you say amen? Here's the last thing. We host him, and here's the one thing we, we don't do. We, be, we refuse to hinder him. You know what? There will not be any overflow 
if there's a hindrance to him. Someone said this, you can't help Jesus, but you can hinder him. You can't stop a river from flowing, but you can block it. Blockages of unforgiveness and offence, unresolved hurt, unresolved sin, wrong ways of thinking, wrong attitudes, wrong thinking. All those things block and hinder the spirit from moving. Let me close with this one verse. Let's go back to Joel. Peter read that book, but let's just, there's a picture of the, how I call it the five, the fourfold action, or the fivefold action. I should say, of how not to hinder the spirit. Joel, chapter 1, and I think it's right there in verse 13. Gird yourselves and lament, you priests. Wail, you who minister before the altar. Come, lie all night in sackcloth, you who minister to my God. And as you go on and see that, the, the result, you know what the result of doing all that is? God pours out his spirit. Isn't that awesome? You think of those words there. It says, gird. That means remove those things. Lament, lament means get your heart connected to God. Sackcloth is a sign of humility, where we just become dependent on him. And he says, you do it all night. That means radical commitment. That means praying. That means fasting. That means seeking God. Worship. I don't think there can ever be an outpouring without prayer. It's all connected to ministering to the Lord. And he says, as you minister to the Lord, then I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Visions, dreams, prophecies will come as a result as we seek and fast. I mean, believe fasting is powerful. You don't need much about fasting is a powerful, awesome way. It removes all the things and it's a powerful thing. If you want to move with God sometimes, you need to fast and pray for God to do. Okay, let me close with this. And I'm just going to say these things, you think about them. What is the purpose of an outpouring? Number one, it affects community. Really believe that. Whole communities are affected when God pours out his spirit. Number two, the cause, you know, demon powers are removed. Isn't that awesome? As God sweeps in by his spirit, so the demonic powers and strongholds are broken. People are touched, thirdly, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And lastly, which I love wonderfully, it prepares the bride for the glorious coming of Jesus. The pouring out of the Spirit really is God preparing a bride. I mean, three daughters. I remember when two of our daughters got ready for their wedding day. I want to tell you, it was a long morning. Amen? Hairdressers came, makeup artists came. It was a long time. They didn't just turn up, you know, they just get something out of the wardrobe and turn up. Is that true? Because they were prepared, a bride prepared to meet the bridegroom. Is that true? Paul says in the last days that God will present a glorious church. Is that true? Do you think he's going to prepare a, a, a powerless church? No, he's going to have a glorious church. How is a glorious church going to happen? By a pouring out of the Spirit. Every time God pours out his Spirit, he's preparing the bride for his coming again. Amen. And I believe that outpourings of the Spirit are there to prepare the bride. Amen.
to prepare the bride, not just for his second return, not for his physical return, that's part of it, but also for him to continue to come, to beautify the bride by the power of the Spirit. Without an outpouring of the Spirit, really the bride isn't that beautiful, amen? It's the outpouring of the Spirit that makes us incredibly beautiful and prepares for him to come. Let's just come before him right now. What's that? I wonder if Mike, we got that. We got that. I said, what we're going to do right now, I just want you to spend some time with the Lord. And I want to play a, a clip, really. It's, it's a song. And it really talks about a fresh outpouring. Anyone want a fresh outpouring? I just want to allow the words to touch your heart today. Make this your prayer. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delance Healing Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at Delance Healing.